This is Dr. Ron, your host for Dr. Ron, unfiltered, uncensored. Thank you so much for tuning in. And it is with an attitude of gratitude that I welcome all of you. Ladies and gentlemen, listeners, this program contains general medical information. The medical information heard on this program is not advice and should not be treated as such. You are encouraged to confirm any information obtained from this program with other sources and review all information regarding any medical condition or treatment with your physician. Ladies and gentlemen, listeners, the grateful people are happier. They are less depressed. They are less stressed and they are more satisfied with their lives and social relationships. And I'm grateful for all our new listeners. I'm grateful for those who tune in regularly <clears throat> because we're trying to give you an education, uh, so that you can be the CEO of your own body uh, because you have that right and you have right to ask questions and get answers before you have allow anything to be done about it because we now are practicing in an era of medicine as a religion and we've talked about that. We're not going to get into that. I do want to thank uh, everyone for um, uh, listening uh, Although they were they were downloaded to our new show that started Saturday, uh, which is a super chat, and for now the super chat will be talking mainly about the pandemic or pandemic or as I like to call it the case demic, because we have lots of cases but very few infections now. So this this week we're going to do that at Thursday at four p.m. and you are welcome uh, to uh, submit your questions during that time. Uh, so uh, Thursday at 4, and we may do it again Saturday at 4 because the information coming out is incredible because we have been used and abused, schooled and fooled regarding this Chinese virus. And uh, we really should be looking at this in the rearview mirror. And we don't need a pill for every ill, and we're going to talk about that. And before we go on, though, there are some things, uh, before we get on to coffee, and we've had so many uh, re requests to talk about coffee again, so we'll, we'll do that. And since our last uh, podcast on coffee, believe it or not, the New England Journal of Medicine came out with an, an article on coffee, and I'll tell you right now, it's positive. And I will tell you also that articles are coming out about apples showing that that old adage, an apple a day will keep the doctor, doctor away, may have some scientific basis, okay? They're showing that this may not just be a, a fantasy of folk medicine. 
because one study showed that one apple a day for four weeks translated to lower blood levels of oxidized cholesterol. That's really great because oxidized cholesterol causes atherosclerosis. Apple consumption has also been the subject of studies on reducing cancer risk. And God, is that a, is that a, uh, a, a subject that is uh, dear to our hearts and, and tragic to our families? So there are studies that show that apples can reduce their risk in liver cancer, breast cancer, and esophageal cancer. A study published in February 2020 points to Apple's ability to mediate significant gut microbial metabolic activity. What's that mean? That means it can help your the gut microbiome. The gut microbiome, and you know, 80% or so of our immunity is in our gut. So uh, we've been talking about this from day one uh, of the pandemic. And if we have a strong immune system, if we have a good uh, diverse activity of bacteria in our gut, uh, we're going to be healthy. We're going to make our own vaccine. We're going to be making our own vaccine. And remember, we have millions and millions of bacteria and viruses that are normally part of our microbiome. Okay, so before we get on to coffee, um, next week we will talk about apples. We're going to talk about the anti-gravity suit. You know how as we get old, we're all shrinking? Well, we're going to have to talk about sulfur because nobody's talking about sulfur. That's really important. And we're going to talk about vitamin C and some other vitamins that are setting us up to be frail as we get older. So there'll be two subjects uh, that we'll talk about. But now I want to talk uh, about um, the FDA, okay? There's a drug out there uh, that has really horrendous, horrendous side effects, okay? It's been associated with foot amputations, right? And it was right on the label, a popular drug. Millions of American diabetics love new medications, but this was a warning on it, slapped right on the package. Okay, so what has the FDA done about this drug called Invokana? Invokana. Well, they made it safer. You know how they did that? They removed the warning. Now, don't you feel better now? The warning isn't on there. But you know what? The risks are still there. The feds actually admit the drug can cause amputations of the toes, amputations of the feet, and even parts of the leg. But they... Studies are showing to them that it's not as big a risk as they thought. And up until this point, it was a big black box label on the front of the package. Only blind people couldn't see it. That's how big it was. But now the FDA is moving that warning about amputations to another part of the label. And you know about these uh, package inserts. They're thin, like tissue paper. They're folded so many times. It's practically an origami project, right? You need a magnifying glass. And they have warnings on this drug. Invokana, dangerously low blood pressure, kidney function impairment, hyperkalemia, interpretation, excessive amounts of potassium, and yeast infections. That's only a few. And this entire class of medications are linked to weaker, thinner bones and bone breaks. This is one time where newer is not really better and it's more expensive and more dangerous. So just a word to the wise, I had to bring this out today because this was just a horrible, the drug is Invokana. The, the generic is canagliflozin. I have to spell that for you. C-A-N-A-G-L-I-F-L-O-Z-I-N. Okay, so please be careful. 
It's still a dangerous drug. They just took the black label off of it. So what about coffee? Well, some may have heard a rumor about coffee. Drinking even moderate amounts of coffee each day, however, will not lead to dehydration. In fact, habitual male drinkers may enjoy the same hydration from coffee as they do water. How about that? So everybody says, don't drink coffee, you'll get dehydrated. Well, it's only maybe the first couple of days, but your body gets used to it. Drinking coffee, ladies and gentlemen, stimulates your metabolism. It reduces your risk for developing type 2 diabetes, stroke, cardiovascular disease, and premature death. And some studies show improved performance and reduced post-workout soreness. Dark roast coffee beans have the same or better benefits because of their higher levels of antioxidants. Okay. Of course, it's always best to, if you can get organic coffee. But let's start out today uh, with an article uh, by a friend of mine. He's been on, on our podcast. Um, his name is Ralph Moss. He comes from the Sloan Kettering Institute. And he had a problem there during the time of Laetrile and, and, had, and had to leave. And now is a a cancer consultant and a writer and an educator and travels the world to different cancer clinics. And he feels that as a rule, coffee is getting a bad rep or a bad rap, as he says. Most writers, he says, focus on its ability to disrupt your sleep. Okay, so... He goes into coffee in an article he wrote this year. And what he says are these, some of the benefits of coffee. High coffee intake reduces your risk of liver cancers by 50%. In fact, each additional cup reduces the risk by 15% and may also decrease the risk of cirrhosis of the liver and elevated liver enzymes. Gosh, two uh, apples a day and some coffee, not a bad combination. For some cancers, both caffeinated and decaffeinated coffee are equally effect effective. And there he's talking about endometrial coffee. That's uh, endometrium cancer. That's a, a cancer of the lining of the uterus. Regular or decaffeinated coffee is associated with lower rectal cancer. Localized prostate cancer is reduced by regular coffee consumption. Now, he's not here talking about advanced spread prostate cancer. Prostate cancer that's confined to the, to the organ itself. And here's something really interesting. The risk of melanoma is also reduced by 20% through the regular consumption of coffee. You know, uh, Sunscreens were introduced uh, early in my medical career. I started practice in 65, 1965, and sometime in the 70s, the sunscreen started coming out. And then skin cancers and melanoma started going up. Well, we've, we know now it's because of the oxobenzone and all the, the different chemicals and, and fats in the sunscreens that percolate in the skin and cause the cancer. And also we know from Professor Peskin that taking too many fish oils, they load our skin with omega-3s and he, he, his contention is that also contributes to melanoma. But guess what? Even the 2019-ish edition of the D-Vita Cancer Textbook, page 138, admits this. It further suggests that coffee exerts its beneficial effects by reducing the availability of blood glucose to cancer cells. So how does cancer survive? Cancer survives because it, it does not like oxygen and it loves sugar. 
And that's why it kills me to go to see some of these oncologists and they have all these sweets in the waiting room. Cancer loves sugar. So, quote, mechanism for the beneficial effect of coffee consumption on cancer incidents may include lower glycemic load and reduced diabetes risk. Lower glycemic load means lower blood sugar. Thus, coffee may be the perfect companion to a low-carb or ketogenic diet. Okay? Coffee has natural compounds in it. Right? We already know about caffeine, but how about the other chemicals in that java? They include cafestol and kiwiol. These ingredients of coffee prevent cancer in, in lab studies, including mesothelioma cells. You know who you're seeing all these ads from uh, attorneys on television about mesothelioma from asbestos. If you, if you haven't heard that word before. Very importantly, uh, listeners, caffeine and its opposite number in tea, which is theobromine, enhance the effect of chemotherapy against some cancers. Now, what about cappuccino for all our Italian friends, all that like that shot? There's really an intriguing relationship with prostate cancer was written about by some Japanese scientists in 2018. You know, Italy is not among the top 10 coffee cons consuming countries. The average Italian consumes half as much as the world leader. Guess what that is? That's Finland. The world leader in coffee consumption, Finland. There's a good trivia question for you. That's because of the Italian penchant for espresso, which comes in one or two ounce shots. And it's part of the Italian life. So what do Italian coffees include? Espresso, mocha, caffè latte, cappuccino, macchiato. These are pro produced either with hot water under high pressure or with boiling water. So these scientists studied men who drank Italian coffee. For those who drank one or two cups per day, there was only a slight decrease in prostate cancer incidence. But when they studied men who consumed three or more cups per day, they found that the coffee prevents cancer of the prostate. Now, wait to hear this. I mean, it's incredible that you, you incredible that this is not really well known all over. There was a highly significant 64% reduction in the risk of prostate cancer. And when they adjusted for other risk factors like smoking, their age, how fat they were, there was still a 53% decrease. That made statistical sense, ladies and gentlemen. It truly seems that coffee prevents cancer of the prostate in many people. So what's this Italian-style coffee? Why is it different in the U.S. and other countries? For one thing, it's, it's, it's much stronger. Espresso shots are five to eight times as concentrated as American drip coffee. And guess what? No filter. Many Americans make their coffee with filters, but Italian-style style coffee is unfiltered. And according to this study, as a result, it contains more of the beneficial natural compounds that are removed from filtered brews. But here's something that the scientists warn about. About 20 years ago, there was a flurry of scare stories claiming that unfiltered coffee could lead to a heart attack. There was a small trial in the country from Holland. It showed that a liter per day of unfiltered coffee raised homocysteine levels by 10%. So homocysteine level is a, a chemical that you can measure, and we were measuring it in blood to see if there's a heart attack risk uh, because it is a risk factor for heart disease. But that story was not told completely. What it did not tell you is that coffee did not raise the levels above normal. So it raised it, but it still was within the normal range. 
And if this unfiltered coffee caused heart attacks, this theory, if this was true, one would expect Italy to be a country with having runaway heart attack epidemic. But the World Health Organization shows the exact opposite. Among the nations of the earth, Italy's heart death rate is near the bottom of the chart. It comes in at 163. And there are other countries which consume a lot less coffee that have death rates five times higher, like Belarus. All right. So look, ladies and gentlemen, this is only one of the studies I want to talk to you about. Uh, drinking should be a pleasurable part of your grind. Uh, there are some health concerns, you know, like if you have insomnia or it makes you jitter. I mean, listen to your body. That's what this is all about. We're talking the majority of people are not going to have a problem, but if you have a problem, listen to your body. You know, and you might you might want to talk it over with your, your provider. Most physicians are not too knowledgeable about the amount of coffee and so forth, but you might want to talk it over with them. But the reports out of Italy, I have to say, are really encouraging. So indulging in three cups of espresso or cappuccino per day is not a punishment. And it might just be the thing for you guys to keep that prostate cancer away. So that uh, was from our dear friend, uh, Ralph Moss. That was, that was what he wrote about. But there's so much more to coffee. So look, there's a, was a review article published in the New England Journal of Medicine. Now, you know, this, this generally, uh, this, this, the New England Journal has a great reputation. And it, this, this was just published in 2020. Okay. Uh, but, you know, they got, they got caught publishing a fake study on hydro, uh, HC, uh, HCQ, uh, hydroxychloroquine. And uh, I have a hard time now. I, I don't know who their reviewers were, but they let a study get in that was negative for hydroxychloroquine and it may have cost some lives. I have a hard time with that. But this here is sort of a review article, so there was no new research here. Uh, and they admit that coffee and tea are among the most popular beverages worldwide, okay? You know what the you know you know what what it was interesting in this article that the most widely consumed psychoactive agent is caffeine. You know that a psychoactive agent, and you know it's it's added to a lot of stuff, especially stupid energy drinks and energy shots, and certain pain medications. You you'll see it has coffee in it. But, you know, coffee and tea have been around for hundreds of years. That's why I decided to bring this article up today. And, of course, people have concerns about coffee and caffeine. Does it increase the risk of cancer? Well, we already talked a little bit about that. Does it, does it hurt the cardiovascular diseases? But maybe there are health benefits. Because coffee contains hundreds of biologically active phytochemicals, some of which I can't even pronounce. Polyphenols, chlorogenic acid, lignans, alkaloids. They come from the roasting. Modest amounts of magnesium, potassium, and vitamin B3. It's almost a, a, a health food, right? And these compounds may reduce oxidative stress. So oxidative stress is when you have too much oxidation. That's why antioxidants like vitamin C and so forth are good in our diet. Oxidation is like they cause your body to rust. But more importantly, we get back to this gut microbiome. And there, it may improve this gut microbiome, this diverse population of microbes we have in our gut that make us healthy, that make our own vaccines, that keep us free from viruses and, and uh, infections, or modulate them if everything is healthy. So this is all from coffee, right? And it's, it's been demonized by a lot of people. 
just to, uh, just to give you an idea, if you have a cup of coffee from a coffee shop, if you get a 12 ounce serving, 235 milligrams of caffeine. Coffee you brew at, at home, eight ounces, 92 milligrams of caffeine. A shot of espresso, one ounce shot, 63 milligrams of caffeine. Okay, black tea is, the, is, is hot now. Eight ounces have 28 milligrams of caffeine. And I noticed a lot of people drinking chamomile and peppermint tea. Eight ounces, zero caffeine. How about cola? 32 milligrams of caffeine. How about energy drinks, energy shots? Anywhere from 80 to 200 milligrams of caffeine. An ounce of dark chocolate, 24 milligrams of caffeine. And if you ever take these over-the-counter drugs for alertness, one tablet can contain 200 milligrams of caffeine. That's really a lot. The half-life of coffee. Well, normally it's about two and a half to four and a half hours. So you drink a cup, that caffeine will stay in your system two and a half to four and a half hours. But you can cut that in half if you're smoking. And that caffeine will get into your system in 45 minutes. If you're a little shaky and you still like it, but you can still tolerate it, they say tolerance deliver, uh, develops after one week. And the studies are showing up to six cups, eight ounce cups have no effect on your heart. Now this is in studies and this is of course average. So again, you have to know your own body. Interestingly enough, caffeine spreads throughout your body and crosses the blood-brain barrier. So it does get into your brain. Of course, you don't want to give it to newborns. So what does it do in your brain? Well, according to the New England Journal article, it increases mental performance and vigilance because it makes you more alert. On the other flip side, though, it can contribute to insomnia in susceptible people. It may reduce the risk of depression. It can make non-steroidal drugs more effective, can make acetaminophen more effective. Good things, right? Bad things, none, because it also may reduce the risk of Parkinson's disease. Just, just hear that. This is in the New England Journal of Medicine article. Caffeine may reduce the risk of Parkinson's disease. They say it can slightly improve lung function in adults. In the liver, it may reduce the risk of liver fibrosis, cirrhosis, and cancer. And we've talked about that a couple times already. It says it can have a diuretic effect in high doses, but if you continue to drink it, it does not affect your hydration status. It will not make you dehydrated. As far as your blood pressure concerns, your body uh, gets a tolerance to it, and then it doesn't affect it. It may affect it initially. And if it, if it, it may reduce skeletal muscle insulin sensitivity, but that's only for the short term. Your body gets used to that also. This is a heck of a, an article. And we've, you know, this just, just puts an imprimatur on what we talked about a, uh, like a, six, eight weeks ago. And these effects of caffeine have also been observed in persons who do not habitually consume caffeine and after short periods of abstinence in habitual, in habitual cons, uh, consumers. You know, the, when you, you use the, when students are using it or, or people are using caffeine to improve their vigilance and uh, make them more uh, alert, uh, say long distance driving or flying an aircraft, Uh, it, this really does not, a, if you're sleep deprived, it's not going, you're, you're, that will 
probably decre decrease your performance, not increase it, but everything else being normal and you normally uh, you know, had your normal sleep, this can make you more alert. And of course, we said it can contribute to pain relief. And and um, we talked about anxiety. I'm going through this this uh, the toxic effects. Well, there really weren't many because they occur at high high doses. You have to have 1.2 grams or higher. I'm I'm not going to tell you the fatal dose because it's been listed here, but there is a but it's it's I don't think you could drink that much coffee. You'd have to take so many coffee pills it would be crazy. But these energy drinks do have, remember, 200 milligrams per shot, some of them. Consumption of those energy drinks and shots, especially when they mix with alcohol, can have really adverse effects on your heart, on your psychological action, your neurological events. And it could be fatal. So... These energy drinks, uh, I don't know why they're on the market, in my humble opinion. But caffeine, except for these, you know, again, that's just a, an abuse of, of something that's that's natural. Just, just too much. And as far as blood pressure and your blood lipids, that's your cholesterol and all. Not not really a, uh, an effect at all. It may increase it, but not increase it more than normal. Okay. So the article goes on to talk about weight management, insulin resistant, type two diabetes. Nothing negative. They talk about coffee consumption and, and stones. Well, it's been associated with a reduced risk of gallstones and gallbladder cancer. More so with caffeinated coffee than decaffeinated coffee. So what does that suggest? Dear listeners, that suggests that caffeine may be, have a protective role here. Coffee consumption may prevent cholesterol gallstone formation. And other studies show that consumption of both caffeinated and decaffeinated coffee was associated with a reduced risk of kidney stones. I mean, that's, that's, did I say anything negative yet? Well, yeah, I did say something negative if you overdose on this stuff. I think it's really important for people and, you know, Parkinson's disease because of uh, the blood brain barrier being uh, destroyed by uh, electromagnetic frequencies and other things that we have talked about. Okay. When you open that blood brain barrier, there's a lot of Parkinson's disease here, but there is a strong inverse association between caffeine intake and the risk of Parkinson's disease. So what is an inverse relationship? The more coffee, the less Parkinson's disease. I, with a caveat, this was not a, associated with decaffeinated coffee. Caffeine components account for this, this, this association. In animal models, they even have studies here that show that caffeine prevents this disease. Okay, because it, it, it inhibits this, the, the dopamine depletion in, our, in, in Parkinson patients' brains. And we talked about, you know, if, you, if you, it, it can de decrease and reduce your risk of certain mild depressions. The one thing that, that it, I've looked for studies to show, and I can't find it, but coffee consumption has not, ladies and gentlemen, been con associated with, with a reduced risk of dementia or Alzheimer's disease. Something I'll talk about in a second. Consumption of two to five standard cups of coffee per day has been associated with reduced mortality in many studies across the world and in persons of European, African-American, and Asian ancestry. 
with consumption of more than five cups, the risk of death was lower than or similar to the risk with no coffee consumption. So you can overdo it, right? Two to five. That seems to be the magic area. And there, if you're if you're pregnant, you probably shouldn't be drinking coffee. I'm not going to get into that. So, dear listeners, a large body of evidence suggests that consumption of caffeinated coffee, the main source of caffeine for their for United States adults, does not does not increase the risk of cardiovascular disease, does not increase the risk of cancers. In fact, consumption of three to five standard cups of coffee daily has been consistently associated with reduced risk of several chronic diseases. Remember what we said about high intake, though. It can have adverse effects. And if you need a number, if you're a numbers person, you want to limit yourself to 400 milligrams of caffeine per day if you're not pregnant or lactating. If you're pregnant, 200 milligrams per day is your number. Okay, now, as I, with a caveat always, there might be person-to-person variation in your metabolism or your sensitivity. So you have to listen to your body. Okay, New England Journal of Medicine article, ladies and gentlemen, came out right after our last program uh, on caffeine. And this came out July 23rd, in case you want to look it up. How about coffee and booze? God, everybody wants to know about that, right? Well, instead of going through the research, I'll just go to the summary. Subjects who drank two glasses of beer or wine every day decreased their chances of premature death by 18%. Those who drank two cups of coffee a day decreased their chances by 10%. Not bad, right? Coffee and booze, but please, you know, you still have to exercise because regular exercise was was part of this program. And keep yourself busy with some ho- uh, hobbies to, to live longer. But there are there's there's articles out there that are in good medical journals with some scientists saying they cannot. Uh, explain everything, but it's because coffee has so many byproducts, the caffeine, when it's roasted, when it's, when it's, uh, and when it's brewed. This study, I'm going to, here it goes, ladies and gentlemen, this study found those, quote, who drank moderate amounts of alcohol or coffee live longer than those who abstained, and that people who were overweight in their 70s lived longer than normal or underweight people did. What can I tell you? That's a study. And that was published on February 22nd, 2018. Brian Manzullo out of Detroit. So, uh, I see some people in here. If you have any any uh, questions you want to text me, uh, go ahead and I'll see if, if I, we can answer them before the show ends. But uh, you know, the coffee is a, is, is a, really is American, and uh, we, we except for what we read about the Italians and prostate cancer, guys, that's got to be something to think about. And and Dr. Mercola even says coffee is is even more beneficial if you're over forty over forty five years of age. That cup of Java, right? I love coffee. I love tea. Wow. And who isn't attached to their cup of Joe? In fact, one of our favorite uh, guests on on Dr. Ron Unfiltered, Uncensored, is Dr. Will Wong. And uh, I first met him. He was drinking a cup of coffee. I had to call him. I said, you're, you're perfect. We have to get together and do some podcasts. And we've done many over the years. A fantastic fellow. Uh, and we will have him back. He was He's a, a black belt. He's an Orthodox priest. He's a naturopathic physician. He has a PhD. 
He's been awarded all kinds of uh, awards. He has a, a, a manufacturing facility in Texas where he makes the best systemic enzyme that you can ever buy. It's called Zyme Essence. Not to get off on that, but he's a, he's a, he's a coffee drinker. Now, we talked about Italy. Let's talk a little bit about Spain and Barcelona. The European Society of Cardiology in Barcelona showed that people who drank four cups of coffee per day had a 64% decrease in their risk of dying from any cause, any cause at all. So that's more than what we just talked about. Among those age 45 and over, however, every two cups of daily coffee lowered the risk of dying during the study period by 30%. That was over a four-year period, I think it was. 20,000 participants in that region. That's pretty good. And, and they did consider the gender of the people in this study, their lifestyle, their overall health, their diet, socioeconomic conditions, which could impact you know, these mortality figures. So I guess, again, coffee is good for you if you're in a middle age. That 64% lower mortality was for four cups of coffee per day. And they compared them against people who never drank coffee. And that's something. Okay, just, uh, you know, we, we talked about a lot, but, you know, I guess common sense uh, dictates, you know, have your coffee. You want to have up to four or five cups a day. That's fine. Don't go over that. Don't adulterate it. Okay. With these sweeteners, maybe stevia, but definitely not with this coffee mate, which has sugar in it and lots of other uh, chemicals. Okay. That's not good. So coffee, can, it's a plant-based food, right? It's a plant-based food with phytonutrients. You know, and, and, and phytonutrients can fight inflammation. And what is inflammation? It is in every chronic disease out there. It's part of it is inflammation. And inflammation contributes to us aging. And if you're interested in drinking coffee for your weight, it's the dark roast. That's, that has been shown to be the best. Dark roast coffee. And if you want a little shot of energy, that's good too. Helps you burn fat, right? So what's bad about coffee? Well, as I said, the coffee itself is not bad. It's, it's the additives. Plain coffee is rich in antioxidants and, and has all the, the good effects we talked about. But soda and the fancy coffee concoctions can be high in calories, contain artificial sweeteners, energy drinks contain sugar and other stimulants, and they definitely are associated with risks, not benefits. So if black coffee isn't your cup of tea, you want a little sweetness without harming your health, Use a little cinnamon for a warming flavor and stevia for sweetness rather than sugar. Because stevia is a completely natural plant-derived sweetener with zero calories. It does not raise your glucose and not linked to many dangers of the artificial sweeteners have been shown. And again, I just want to mention this fake coffee creamer. It does not have dairy in it, and it's usually loaded with sugar and artificial sweeteners. Like sucralose that has chlorine in it. Sucralose has chlorine in it. Not good for your liver. Now, what about this, this bullet coffee? That's made really famous. I mean, you could buy it, it's kind of expensive. But you do get a jolt and you do you can get some, some decreased appetite from it. But you have to use a medium 
chain triglyceride, MCT oil added to the coffee. And that gives it a kick to fat burning. Okay. A quick recipe, a tablespoon of MCT oil. MCT oil, coconut oil will do just fine. That is a medium chain triglyceride oil. A tablespoon of raw grass-fed butter. Ghee, they call it, G-H-E-E. A cup of coffee. Put it in a blender for 20 to 30 seconds. Pour it into your mug and enjoy it. Okay? So that's what we're going to end with. So most people are telling me they love coffee any time of the day. And there you go. I just told you something you can mix in the morning. It will burn fat, help your sugar, decrease your cancer. Wow. <coughs> Maybe help my dry throat here. But uh, coffee uh, has a lot of benefits for your health. So there not is there is not really a lot negative to, for me to say about it. But again, please listen to your body. If it makes you nervous and, and you can't con and you, you you can't concentrate and it makes your heart race and you feel horrible, uh, you know, may, might not be for you. Or you might want to just try it slowly but surely, just slowly but surely. Uh, well, we are, a lot of people love coffee, but uh, there's a just like everything else, there's a lot of myths out there. So I thought I'd clear it up today, and. I'm looking forward to doing more shows here on Podbean. I, I love this this uh, platform. And I, I like I said, I have an attitude of gratitude for all these listeners. And if you're a new listener, please follow me. And you will be notified on the Podbean app when I'm going to do another program. I generally, and I have for five years, been pretty good at Tuesdays at 4 p.m. with over 300 and some sh uh, podcasts listed. But now with this uh, case-demic, as I'm calling it, there's a lot of cases, uh, but not many infections, thank God. Uh, we're going to be talking uh, on this on the uh, Super Chat about COVID and where we're going. And maybe you haven't heard of Dr. Scott Adams, but here's an, uh, just a great public health servant, a physician with a great background, Studied with Fauci in the early days, but he's not connected like Fauci is to all the money. You know, Dr. Fauci is going to make millions off of a vaccine because he's associated with Moderna. He's given the millions. But Dr. Scott Adams now has our president's ear, and he's a great guy. You know what? And they're filtering him on Twitter. That has to tell you something. Because the Zuckerbergs and uh, the Gates Foundation are all tied into this vaccine to make billions of dollars. Gates already has increases net worth billions. I, I saw figures. It was so mind-boggling. I could, didn't even remember it. So his charities, uh, the foundation gives to these drug companies, and then his his foundation buys the stock, and then he he. he he profits from that. So in our super chats, we're going to talk about the vaccines, the medications, the politics, because uh, I want to start and continue to bring you uh, medical information on Tuesdays. We want to go back. We want to revisit statin drugs. We want to revisit the flu vaccine. Remember that 90-some percent of people who died have had the flu vaccine. And the flu vaccine, according to a VA study, made you 36% more susceptible to COVID. Why is that? We're going to talk about some of these ACE2 drugs inhibitors that may have made you susceptible. But as I said on this past Saturday, uh, this is the the pandemic is really behind us now. We've we've flattened the curve. And the only thing that we have ahead of us is case, cases, cases, cases. 
But just because you're positive on a flawed test, this test is flawed, was never meant to diagnose disease. Does not mean we're going to have a second wave. So these are the things we want to talk about. I would welcome your questions. Uh, remember, uh, we are most listened to, believe it or not, I just saw the statistic today. Uh, we're most listened to on Apple, but I'm on Apple, Google Play, um, Stitcher, Blueberry. I mean, almost every place that carry. I'm even on Alexa. You could, that'll give you late the late the last show. But remember, the pro, the podcast is called Doctor Ron Unfiltered Uncensored. Doctor Ron Unfiltered Uncensored. I'm Doctor Ron. If you get a chance, please follow me. I do appreciate it. I have an attitude of gratitude for everyone out there. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, my dear friend, uh, Freddie uh, has written the song and we're going to play it and uh, we're going to say goodbye to our next chat. Thank you, everybody. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Dr. Ron's finished for the day. I hope you got some good wisdom for what the man had to say. And it's all about good health. He's the man you got to see. He has a lot more answers for you. So tune in next week. When the doctor is in the house Or when the doctor is in the house Let the doctor know what's bothering you When the doctor is in the house The doctor is in the house The doctor is in the house let the doctor know what's bothering you I'm sure he can tell you just what to do The doctor is in the house The doctor is in the house Let the doctor know what's bothering you When the doctor is in the house So if you have a pain Call the doctor. If you have a strain, call the doctor. Let the doctor know what's bothering you when the doctor is in the house. The doctor is in the house. See you next week.